listening to the Pasco Podcast with Mike Carvalho. Welcome to Season 3 of Pasco Podcast, a series about leadership and public service. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the nearly 600,000 people of Pasco County, as represented by the Board of County Commissioners. It's through their trust and empowerment of our workforce and leadership team that we're able to bring you this podcast. This podcast is designed to help public servants build leadership skills and leverage them for success by sharing the experiences of our peers. Hi, I'm Mike Carballa, and welcome to our 28th podcast of Pasco Podcast. Joining us today is Assistant County Administrator for our new Public Safety Branch, J.J. Murphy, and Emergency Services Director, Captain Dan Olds. Gentlemen, thanks for joining uh, joining me today. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. I know, J.J., you're brand new to the organization. Dan, you've, you've been around a while, uh, but it's a great opportunity for us to talk about leadership and just some shared lessons from, from your career. So, J.J., I want to start with you, your newest member of our team. Uh, we're happy to have you here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you came to Pasco County. So uh, I was born and raised in Philadelphia. I did an internship my senior year uh, in the local city hall, and I just fell in love with local government and have been involved in that and the military ever since. I went, I did ROTC through grad school, came out, and uh, when I came off active duty, I uh, started working in local government, and I've bounced around the country uh, just trying to uh, serve the public. I mm-hmm. consider myself a servant leader and there's, this isn't a job for me. It's a passion and I love serving local government. And when the opportunity presented itself in Pasco County, uh, I did my military reserve duty in Florida. I've wanted to come back and, and I'm honored to be here. Yeah, well, we're we're happy to have you, and uh, yeah, local local government. I, I often have said is is a calling for a lot of folks. I did a great uh, did a great talk with with folks uh, this morning, just at our at our latest um, um, uh, new hire class, and so I've come and, and generally try to try to talk to them on their first day first day. And a, it amazes me how many Pasco County residents we have. It's it's fantastic to be able to live, work, and play in your community. But but secondly, how they really believe in the mission. When you really start talking to them, you know, why is it that you want to do what you do? And it's we we like to help. We want to serve, and, and and I think that's something that's just part of our part of our ethos. Those of us that have been in local government, I know when I finally came to local government eight years ago, I, this is where I want to be. This is just fantastic. So, Dan, same same to you. I mean, I, I know you've been around a while, but uh, talk to us a little bit about yourself and and how you came to work for Pasco County. So I'm a fifth generation Floridian. Lived here my whole life. Uh, at 14, I joined the Sheriff's Office Explorer Program, and so I've been at the Sheriff's Office for a total of 28 years. 23 as a deputy. Um, and then I joined the county eight years ago as uh, the director of 911. Oh, that's 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 fantastic. So you've had opportunities probably within the sheriff's office and Pasco County to lead. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about your leadership philosophy? So I believe that we should uh, be servant leaders. I believe okay. in supporting our staff and getting them what they need. Um, so that's the thing that sometimes is difficult when you get into a leadership role is to remove yourself from the day to day and to work on the things that only you can control and make their lives better. So uh, servant leadership, I identify as getting, you know, downstream, helping them remove obstacles and just supporting them doing their job and letting them grow by making decisions as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, JJ, same same question. You mentioned servant leadership as well. Maybe expand on that a little. I'll expand on it. I, I think you really, the, the two key pieces I look for in my leadership is committing to the people and committing to the community. 
And and that means that commitment is not nine to five. That commitment is 24 seven. If you have somebody that you know, uh, so I just heard this morning, we had uh, somebody who works in our jail, lost their home this past weekend in a fire. Like, so making sure I'm doing what I can to set up the infrastructure to help support that family. And so they see that. Um, and and you have built that in this organization to take care of the people. And, and I want to make sure that I carry that forward. It's been part of my ethos for a long time. But also when you step outside the building, that the people know out there that you're you're here to do whatever. I ended up being in this parking lot at 6.30 Friday. All the cars were gone and somebody rolled up and they think they lost their wallet. Well, I just tried to take the extra time going around the building that I had access to to help them find it. We couldn't find it, but he knew then, like, look, I found it and I never gave him my title or anything. He has no idea who I am, but it's just going those extra steps. And, and there are so many employees in this organization who I have already seen take that extra step that I'm just, it energizes me to to be here and, and join that effort. Yeah, I watch I watch that every day now, now that I'm over here on the West Pasco Government Center side of, of looking at our employees and, and it's there's a lot of of, of uh, commerce running back and forth with with our constitutional offices, our building permits and and folks that are just willing to go out there and help folks, you know, just recognize that 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 service excellence mindset is is across the board. And it's not just narrowed down to my apartment. Heck, even you know, I've run into people in the elevator and I know they're going to the second floor. I know they're going to building permits, but I'll, I'll walk them somewhere as well. Just just because I mean, that's just what we do. And it's and it's fantastic. You know, so, you know, you talk about being ROTC. So we've got a similar similar path there, both both military officers at one point in time. When and how did you realize that you, you wanted to do things like that, you know, to lead other people? I, I think it was when I. When I went to college and I was a hockey player in high school and did not go to a, a college to necessarily play hockey and they didn't even have a team. And I restarted that program and building the team from scratch and being the captain on the ice uh, and setting an example to go out and skate a little harder and, and do take the sacrifices. And I just transitioned that into the military and I transitioned that into local government. Like, um, you know, I know there's people who think they're born leaders or they talk about born leaders. I desire to be a leader. I desire to go out and, and help people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it started early in my college career. No, that's 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 fantastic. Well, we've got a heck of a hockey team for you to kind of help building up, standing up a new branch. So I'm sure a lot of, a lot of similarities there. Dan, same to you. I mean, um, when did you realize you know you wanted to to lead? You've kind of gone through successive iterations in your career. Now you're you're running this very important and vital operation for the county. Talk to us a little bit about that. So when I was 15 and the Explorers, much like ROTC, has a rank structure to it. Mm-hmm. And I was able to uh, start leading at that level in a volunteer organization. Um, and then when I got to the sheriff's office, um, I, I did several years at line level and then decided that, you know, I feel like I can make a difference. And the biggest thing that I always wanted to do as a leader was to make people's lives better that work at the agency or the department. Um, we spend more time with our work family sometimes than our, our home families. Mm-hmm. And so that can impact home. And so I always <laughs> felt it was a great responsibility to 
eliminate unnecessary stress and try to just project calm and, and make it a better place for everybody. Fantastic. Is there is there any one particular person or persons uh, who's had the biggest influence on, on your leadership? So, you know, I've had a lot of different supervisors over yeah. 23 years and um, I've learned a little bit from a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think there's any that I've truly modeled myself after. Uh, read a lot of leadership books. Colin Powell is somebody that sticks out in my mind that I always enjoyed uh, how he led and, and how he described leadership. Um, and then, you know, culture is a big thing, especially nowadays. And um, my wife is a leader. She's actually a principal at a local high school. And so she is tremendous at that. And so especially in the last few years, I've really been paying a lot of attention to how she does things mm -hmm. and seeing how I can make those fit into 911. Oh, fantastic. JJ, same same question back to you there. I would actually say, you know, Dan and I have a, a lot of the same, you know, readers or presidents or formal leaders. For me, it's my brother. Hmm. Um, he is the one in our family who uh, first did ROTC. Uh, he did it through college and then I ended up joining through grad school. And uh, watching him in his career and stepping out and being, you know, getting the opportunity to teach at West Point and the opportunity to go to the 82nd Airborne and then volunteer to go to Iraq, I tried to model some of my same things. As a reservist, I wasn't required to deploy, but I put my hand up twice to go and take uh, billets that other officers mm -hmm. weren't taking uh, so that I had an opportunity to help the U.S. government. So I would think my brother... Uh, you know, he was the first Iraqi war veteran elected to Congress. He, he decided, like, there was no politician in our family. And he came back from his deployment and said he wanted to go to D.C. to help change the war policy. So uh, I think he n did not have – he had aspirations, but he put actions behind those. And so I, I kind of try to model my leadership after that. That's that's fantastic. It's a good lesson for all of us, actually, you know, and always to have have a role model or, or someone or in this case, I'm, I'm kind of with you a little bit there. I've just I don't I've got a blend, you know, but but to have someone just in your own family is ah, that's that's fantastic. Imagine family dinners. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. uh, JJ, why don't you uh, talk to me a little bit about, <clears throat> you know, over the course of your career, um, leadership challenges uh, maybe that you've had or, or successes, um, anything that you want to share that you think might be of interest uh, to our to our listeners here? Sure. I, you know, and, and, and Dan, we really haven't had a chance to talk too much, but I think it's important to note that 17 of my 20 years in the Air Force was working at America's 911 Center at the Air Force Rescue Coordination Center. So I was a call taker for the federal government responding to search and rescue across the country. Uh, you know, the story that really hits home for me, like the why for me in, in government is I had a, an elected official come to me, came back from a conference and handed me a big folder and said, hey, JJ, there's this program called a Field of Flags, an honor field. Uh, we want you to run this program and bring it to Pennsylvania. So I did it, you know, I was in the military, of course they're gonna give it to me. And we put this field of flags up. We had a, uh, an American flag for every victim of 9-11. It was a unbelievable field. The governor came out, it was great. My kids were involved. But about 30 days after <clears throat> the field came down, and everyone <clears throat> forgot about this project, I'm sitting in the 
the mayor's office and we're dealing with like the problem we thought the problem of the day like you know here we are and there's a knock on the door and the administrative uh, assistant comes in and says hey there's this lady here mayor who wants to give you a gift you know he's like okay bring her in and uh, she says I did this painting for you mayor uh, for this uh, the healing field that you had and he's like ma'am I I can't accept that JJ did all the work uh, you know I'm glad he's here and she gave it to me and I didn't show like the appreciate I was appreciative but I thought I had to get back to the potholes or the the storm sewer that we had to like you know emergency bid on whatever the problem and I start like walking her out after two minutes like okay thank you you know and she grabbed me by the shoulders and she said, no, you don't understand. I was about to commit suicide. And one of those flags hit me when I was in the field. And I'm living today because of that field. And I have a picture, that picture of that field <laughs> that she drew wherever I go. Because in local government, oftentimes we don't know the end result of how we handled that call or, or that project that we did or the housing or the homelessness camp. But... There is an impact that we do every day. So that's kind of like my why. It's a reminder that, you know, I'm going to walk through these doors. I may not get a thank you. I may not know the end result, but what we do in local government matters. We make an impact every day. So fantastic. Fantastic. Dan, I mean, let's talk about uh, over the course of your career, any any leadership lessons that, uh, you know, stick out for you? Well, I've found that, you know, just giving support and and being there for people is a huge piece and so being there for the folks in 911 and trying to find as many ways to alleviate obstacles or stress for them is important i mean anecdotally i i hear people about seven times a day out there giving cpr on the phone um so there's a, just a tremendous amount of really good work that goes on and so they they really deserve a ton of credit that they're kind of the, the hidden heroes of our public safety area. But um, that that for me, just supporting them while they're the ones on the front lines doing that is is super important to me. Yeah, and it's it's important as leaders to to provide that support because without that support, you know, they're they're not gonna be able to do that as effectively or feel as comfortable to to do. So it, you know, the fact that, you know, they know you've got their back, they, you know, they know you're taking care of them, it's it's fantastic. And then back to your point of just you sometimes don't even know uh, this, these these intangibles that I mean you're fortunate to even find out and it's moving you know just imagine all the other things that have gone on that uh, that our team members have affected that you know we don't know about um, that that feedback doesn't get back so it's 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 certainly uh, certainly great to hear talk to me a little bit uh, either one of you guys here you know we talk about sharpening the saw and 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 getting better at things you know you mentioned reading and things i i'd like to know if there's anything in particular that either of you do to kind of help hone in your leadership skills we we we're, i always consider myself to be a student all the time so talk to me a little bit about how you um, increase that capacity to lead and 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 you know grow in that in that regard I'm going to go first. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, you know, reading is is big. Um, I, I utilize audiobooks and podcasts a lot because I can multitask. So I can still take out the trash while I'm listening to something Absolutely. But, uh, and, and drive to meetings. But there's a tremendous amount of material out there nowadays. It's very easy to get to where you don't have to sit down necessarily on a chair and read a book. So um, I try to find, you know, different 
schools of thought. Uh, military is big because in my background, you're talking about making decisions that are life or death mm -hmm. that maybe don't apply to a more administrative world. But um, I find those to be important. And then, you know, we're dealing with a young generation. And so I think it's important to listen to what major corporations are doing that are on the, the cutting edge of work environment and, and how that's changing. So all those are pretty, pretty important and useful things for me. Absolutely. JJ, same question. So I consider myself a lifelong learner mm -hmm. like you. I, I'm currently enrolled in a PhD program. I'm writing a dissertation now. Um, it's challenging. Uh, <laughs> but I think in terms of professional development, what's been successful for me is opening the opportunities that have been for me to continue those for the employees that work with me and invest in their professional development. And that's like, you can come back, you can be a, a wizard, but mm -hmm. if your employees don't feel like you're supporting their professional development, then you're going to be the smartest guy out the door. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I think I think that's important. And one thing I started a program years ago, I went to like an ICMA conference and heard this presentation and uh, it, I, I called it Operation Switch and Switch was an acronym for Stop Working in the City Hall. Okay. So it's going out and working side by side with some of the employees, you know, sitting there with a 911 operator going out there, but letting them see you pick up trash like they mm -hmm. pick up trash or you know, go in the, you know, with the wastewater treatment guys and, and go down and, and smell what they smell every day, right? But when you do that, right, and the whole officers eat last concept, right, right uh, they have a little bit more pep in their step. Like they know that if the, if the people at the top are making decisions that have knowledge now of what you do, mm -hmm. you make a lot smarter decisions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I think that's years and years of, of different reading. That's a model that's kind of uh, set it and forget it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, another thing, too, is just even the, the nuggets of wisdom that you gather just just from our own folks every day, listening to that uh, to that to that knowledge that they've gained through their experiential you know, endeavors that, uh, boy, yeah, you know what, I, I, I can learn a thing or two. And uh, I think that that does nothing but but make us better at, at what we do and and having that understanding of, of what our folks do day in and day out. We have a lot. I mean, we were just talking about recruiting. We were talking about special risk class and things like that. The jobs that a lot of our folks do, quite honestly, are, are very dangerous. I mean, inherently, whether whether it's, you know, working working in a, in a jail or fire rescue, you know, we talk about the mental stress of, of being 911 to folks in the field that quite honestly have cars and traffic running by them every every day to I mean, just animal services, dog bites. I mean, I can you know, the list the list can go on there, you know, and it's the, the jobs are getting tougher and filling these billets are getting harder and harder. So really kind of a two part question is how are we approaching, you know, uh, recruiting and bringing bringing folks into the organization? But at the same time, you know, we want to deepen the bench. You mentioned it. You mentioned it, too, that, you know, if you're the leader and you're the only guy getting getting educated, you're the you're you're the last guy out the door, first guy out the door. <laughs> Forget how you phrased it. <laughs> Roll the tape back. But um you know, somebody's got to be there to take take our place, and and I always look at it as as at the top here. We're we're kind of interchangeable and replaceable. We want we want the culture to develop uh, to develop the leaders, so the organization continues to run. I went on vacation for two weeks. I had nothing shut down. 
Okay. You know, um, so, so talk to me a little bit, two parts, recruiting a little bit and efforts to try to get people, but then more importantly, how are you raising the next, the next Dan, the next JJ? What are we, what are we doing in that regard? So maybe JJ, we'll start with you and then move across. I think the first thing, um, is a, letting the public know if you're out there in a job that you don't go home every day, feeling like you've made an impact, come work for Pasco County. Whether it's 911 or our, our jail or fire rescue, like those jobs make a difference. And if you want to make a difference and have good health care and work for uh, an organization that helps pay for your college tuition or does reimbursement, like this is where to come. So the first thing is like, hey, if you're listening to this podcast, like, and you and you're working where you're not not feeling that level of satisfaction. Come put an application in. There's 20 vacancies in uh, 911. There's 90 vacancies right now in the jail. And with overtime, you're starting at close to $80,000. $80,000, right? So, you know, that's that's the first thing. The other is kind of doing a little bit of an all-hands approach. Like, so it's not just you recruiting for your uh, specialty. It's us coming together and say, hey, how can we all put that message out there and, and, and work with our communications team, right? And say, let's do, let's really do a focus on the great things we offer here. And I think that would, that would be helpful. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, you know, I was having this discussion actually with one of our, one of our county commissioners as well. And we were talking about, you know, people and hiring and things. And, you know, one of the, one of the conclusions that we come to, and I, I mentioned it today at the, um, at the new hire orientation is, you know, we have 57 lines of business in this county. So if you're contemplating leaving the county, for example, well, consider one of our other business units, right? I mean, 57 lines. So if you decide that you're really not liking working in whatever shop you're working in and you want to go be a corrections officer or you want to go do something, we have those opportunities and we can afford those opportunities within the same within the same family at 3,700 FTEs. I mean, it's 3,700 different jobs that we've got here, and and it's and it's a fantastic opportunity. I, Dan, what about what about you guys on on the recruiting side of the house? So we're definitely trying to gear ourselves towards um, the high schools. So at the end of this school year, as we get through spring, we're going to be going to the high schools because we really want to get people who aren't planning to go out of the area for a four year university, mm-hmm. and say, look. You may not stay in 911 your whole career, but you can at least start a retirement system, which is something that doesn't exist very many places. Um, and and it's, it's something. And so we're looking to uh, target people who we think will be uh, primed to do this kind of work, to stay up late, to do the shift work, to, to have that kind of a schedule for one. Um, and, and two, we're trying to find new mediums to get to people. So we could go to a recruiting event and maybe hit a hundred or we can work with the communications team and do a few fast, maybe minute or less videos, which is kind of what the mm-hmm. average consumption is nowadays with TikToks yeah, and reels TikTok and such. There, right? Yeah. right. And so talk about what do we do? What's our hiring process? You know, everybody wants to research everything now and, and get the answers. So sometimes the hiring process for 911 is scary for folks. So let's take away a little bit of the scariness and go, look, here's a polygraph. You're going to answer this many questions. Here's, here's what a psychological test looks like and just walk them through it. So it kind of eliminates some of that fear to where maybe that person who was on the fence will apply. 
And so those are the some of the things that we're looking at right now. Fantastic. Now, what about within your teams? And JJ, I know you're 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 still relatively new here to the county, but um, within within your teams, right? So you've identified maybe the next Dan, I don't know, or the next supervisor, manager, ACA, our replacements or whatever. What do you what do you do? How do you identify those those future leaders and how do you I guess raise them, I guess, to kind of help uh, help get them to where they need to be. Any any thoughts on that? I think I touched on it earlier. I mean, work on their. You know, I like to sit down with the the people who are direct uh, reports and find out what their goals are. Right. Right. And and if you know their goals, right. Uh, and I just had this meeting last Friday with my uh, new executive assistant and a, and a program manager, and I asked them to. Go home for the weekend and think about what their goals are so that I know how I can help get them there, right? And, you know, one has a master's degree, the other one, like, I, I think it's important to know where they want to go and then help. And when they help, when they see that you care about where they want to end up, because I, what I said is, I know your lifelong dream hasn't been this job you're currently in, Right. So what is it, hopefully in this one of the 57 lines of business, right? Right. Is it that we can do to inspire you? Yeah. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's that's one of the you know, that's the other the other thing that we we as leaders too have to realize. You know, I mean I, I have I have direct reports who I know their next step is not going to be here at the county. And and as as painful that will be for uh, you know, me and the organization or whatever it is, you know, our job is to help people grow regardless. And if we continue that, it, that pays itself forward so many, so many times if we approach that honestly and genuinely. Dan, what about what about on the nine one one side? Are you guys doing anything formally or informally to kind of help identify and raise the next uh, future leaders there? So we, we do. We talk about goals. Mm -hmm. um, we have in-service trainings that we provide. Um, outside leadership training we'll send folks to every once in a while. But I, I try to preach about having an attitude, a good attitude, and that, you know, you can learn. Eventually, if you go high enough, you'll be over something you have no idea about, technically speaking. And so if you have a good attitude and you're approachable and you try to quell any ego and be humble and learn, um, you'll be successful. And so I, I've always tried to explain to folks some, sometimes we get to give people opportunities that maybe in a perfect world, they're not necessarily ready for, but I say, if you approach it with a good attitude and you're humble, you'll be totally fine. And that has absolutely been the case nine times out of yeah, 10. Yeah, I find that humility piece to be extremely important in leadership. So um, I guess last question, is there anything I didn't ask you, maybe we should have talked about with regards to any any tools or wisdom you care to impart upon the masses here? <laughs> you look at me. Uh, we could ask You know greater. what, Don't, do not, well, I, that's what I'm gonna say. Um, be vulnerable, mm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, I have a service dog because mm -hmm. I spent the two years in COVID as a CEO mm -hmm. struggling to worry about everybody else's mental health and didn't care about my own, right? So I would tell everybody out there, don't you know, invest in your own self-worth. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you see me walking around with Raider, it's actually a sign of strength. Fantastic, love it. Dan? I mean, I would just say um, that you, you really, I think we, and we're in a transitional period in, in the business world. And I think that we need to pay extra attention about what is important to folks 
and when it comes to recruiting and retention, you know, I feel like there's a lot of learning to be done in the next several years out there. And, uh, and, and technology is going to be a piece of that. And then just keeping up with the ever-changing world that we live in. Agree. Agree. Well, guys, that, that brings us to the end of that. I do have a couple of rapid fire questions I'd like to ask you though. Just, uh, just entertaining. It's okay. We'll start, we'll start easy here. Uh, Dan, I think we know the answer to this. What was your first job? I worked at Winn-Dixie as a bagger, and I'm glad that that still exists because I feel like everything as you get older starts to go away. It, it certainly <laughs> it certainly does. JJ, what movie do you, you enjoy quoting the most? <laughs> uh, quoting the most. I think it would have to be Gladiator. Gladiator. Ah, oh, I love it. I love it. Well, we'll I won't ask you what quotes you want. But uh, <laughs> Dan, you speak more than one language? No. Um, favorite subject in school? Social studies. Social studies. Outstanding. I know the answer to this for you. Cats or dogs, Dan? Raiders listening. I, I, I have more cats than I do dogs. Oh, look at that. Sorry, Raider. Um, most random statistic you know? Um, in poker, if you uh, flop... Uh, a certain thing, that, uh-huh. like certain hand, you have like a twenty-seven percent chance of hitting a flush if you hit two on the <laughs> two on the flop. Fantastic! Uh, I'll have to remember that the next time we play. Uh, would you rather travel to the past or to the future? Past. Past. Awesome. Um, favorite pizza topping? Italian sausage. Love it. Love it. Last TV show you watched, Dan? Ooh, uh, because of my wife, something on Bravo. I have a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> You're like me. Did you stay awake long enough right, there? Right. Yeah, I yeah. was listening to a leadership podcast. She was watching it. Chore you despise the most, JJ? Chore I despise the most. Uh, picking up after Raider. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Dan, same question. What was the last question? Chore you despise the most. Ooh. Uh, Laundry. Laundry. I'm with you on that one for sure. Well, listen, gentlemen, thank you very much for for joining me here today on Pasco Podcast. It was great having you both here. And special thanks to our media relations team who makes this effort possible. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Pasco Podcast. I'm Mike Carballa, and we'll see you next time. For more information on Pasco County government, please visit mypasco.net and check us out on Facebook and Twitter.